1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3. Last week we talked about good grief, and it really struck a chord with our church. I think it really helped a lot of people. Was that word for anybody last week? Did that help you? And so I want to I continue this thought, this theme, and I want to look at what David did in a tough situation, what David did in a, while he was grieving. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unlock something for you today. I, I don't really talk a big talk when I preach. But I got something for you today that can literally change your life. Can I talk that talk for one moment, okay? I've been walking with Jesus for a long, I don't know, since I was 15. I'm going to be 38 this week. So however long that is. I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm a preacher. Amen. Uh, but I'm going to share a, a key with you today. That could really, I mean, for real change your life. So I want, I want to show you this. David and his mighty men have just gone to battle. They're now going back to their city. And here's what they find when they get back to their city. David and his men came to the city. And there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, okay, that's the Old Testament, Okay, don't get any ideas, okay? Praise the Lord. Okay, let's keep it moving. I had been taken captive, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Now, notice that. His men, his rider dies, the guys that loved him and were with him are now thinking about killing him, okay? Because the soul of all the people was so grieved. Now, notice they're in grief. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David, everyone say, but David... But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to the priest, bring me the ephod. So they brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop or shall I overtake them? And God answered him. The Lord answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Come on, somebody. I'm believing that we're going to recover all in Jesus' name. I don't know what you lost in 2020. I don't know what you lost in 2021, but our God is a God of restoration. Our God's a God of recovery. Our God is a God who when the enemy comes in in one direction, he has to flee in seven directions. And whatever the thief stole from you, he's got to pay back to you sevenfold. Come on. Recover all. We We don't end in grief. We don't, we don't just live there forever and die there. No, we recover and step into all that God has for us. Anybody believing for this besides just me? Come on. Hey, we got three months left in 2021. I think the next three months should be the greatest three months of this year. Miracle months. Answers to prayer. I need a, I need a good amen in the house right now. I'm already preaching, but mountains are going to move. Heavens are going to open. Okay. We're going to recover all in Jesus' name. Father, bless your word now. Everybody said amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. So David is in a moment of loss. He has just gone out to battle, and he has now lost his his city. is literally burned down. His possessions have been stolen. His families have been taken. Um, And all of the mighty men have now turned on him. So he is dealing with grief on many levels. And that's a little bit of what we talked about last week, that grief can come in 
in different waves and in different levels. So he's dealing with the, yeah, he's, he's lost his possessions, but that grief is nowhere near the grief of all his men turning on him, but that grief is nowhere near losing his family. So he's, he's in a moment of grief, he's in a moment of loss, and he now has to make a decision. Listen, every moment of grief, every moment of loss, and every moment of pain in your life is a moment of decision. Because if you're not careful, you'll die in it. You'll get stuck in it. Now, again, we're not in a hurry. If you, if you need more context from last week, please listen to last week's message. Such an important message. We're not in a hurry, but we also don't want to get stuck in something forever and never walk in what God has for us. Can I get a good amen right there? So, so here's, what, here's what David does. David gets alone with God. And he asked for the ephod. Now, here's what's interesting. This word ephod or ephod, however you want to say it, was the priestly garment. Now, David is an interesting character in the Old Testament. He's this, he's this Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. David got to walk with God in a way under the Old Covenant and under the law that no one else walked in. And he's a picture to us of the New Covenant believer. So, David was a king, David was a shepherd, and David was a warrior, and it would have been against the law and would have been an abomination to the Lord that he would wear an ephod, that he would wear the priestly garment, but God allowed him to. You'll, you'll read in the, in the Old Testament, other kings tried to do priestly duties and God cursed them for it. Uh, that happened with Saul, that happened with others, where, where kings tried to become a priest and God went, nope, that's holy, you can't touch that. But David was able to be not only a king, but he was also able to be a priest because it's a picture for us of a new covenant reality. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says that we are a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so now under the new covenant, you're not just a businessman, you're a priest. You're not just a stay-at-home mom, you're a priest. You're not just an investor, you're a priest. You're not just a pastor, you're a priest unto your God. You're going, a priest, can I still get married? Yeah, I'm not talking about a Catholic priest. A priest in the Old Testament was this. It was the person that represented God to the people and the people back to God. The priest was the intercessor. The priest was the middleman. And we are to be priests unto our God. Listen, Dad, before you even provide physically and financially for your family, you have to provide spiritually for your family. You are the key to your children seeing God and God seeing your children. You're, you're the priest at that workplace. You may never say it. You may never put on an ephod, amen, but you are that intercessor. You're that middleman that represents God to the people and the people back to God. Our world needs intercessors. Our city needs kings and priests who can, amen. So before I'm a preacher, before I'm a theologian, before I'm a Bible teacher, I am City Light's chief intercessor. Just as important that I study and show myself approved is that I am to pray and to hear from heaven on behalf of our church and lead us in the right direction and make sure I don't lead us into error. This can only happen when I, when I put on the ephod, as it were, and I get before God and I talk to God and God talks to me and I represent city light to God and God bring, and I represent God back to city light. This is, this is my most important call and this is your most important call. You're going, wow, a lot of pressure. It's not a lot of pressure, but it is serious. 
Notice that David is in a moment of pain and he turns to God. And I want to say something. For a lot of you, this is the missing key to your walk with God. I, I want to say it like this. That we, I got a key here. And this key has two sides and they're different. And they're both important and they're both needed to unlock a door. In your walk with God, there are two sides to a key that you must have. You must have public gatherings and private devotion. You got to have both. And if you only have one side of the key, you don't unlock doors. And a lot of you are at walls in your life, and a lot of you are at closed doors in your life, and a lot of you can't get a breakthrough in your life because those two things are out of balance. Because to unlock what God has for you, it needs both sides of the same key. It's one key, but it has two different sides. And when this is out of balance, your life is going to be in chaos. Okay, let me, let me try to explain this. If, if you're just, let, let's put it back up for just one moment. If your life is just private devotion, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be independent. You're going to be prideful. And you're going to have a bunch of knowledge with very little spiritual authority. You're going to know weird stuff about the Greek and Hebrew, and you're going to know weird little tangents about the Bible that aren't really relevant, and you're going to, you're going to know a lot of stuff, but you're going to be a, a pond taking in, but God called us to be a flowing river. Out of your belly will flow rivers, not a pond, rivers. And you'll get, you'll get people that have a lot of knowledge, but they're very independent. They're very isolated. They have, they have no one that knows them, no one that can challenge them, no one that can, that can correct them and rebuke them. They're, they, they, they figured out one side of the key. That's so good. But God can never really use their life. Now, now you're in the room, so you're, you're not a part of this group, but it happens. There's people that are going to watch me this week, and I, I thank God for it. I'm so humbled that people watch me online. Thousands of people every week download our podcast and, and watch our YouTube sermons. I'm so humble. A, a couple came here from, uh, they were on vacation and just came to church today because they follow my ministry. That's, that's very humbling. But I hope they have a pastor. Because man cannot live by podcasts alone. Man doesn't live by YouTube alone. You, you got to have a covering. You got to have someone that when you're in trouble, they can lay hands on you and rebuke the devil off of you and your family and tell the devil to go back to hell. You better have somebody. You don't just, you don't just give wherever you want. You better have a house that you give to. You better have, I'm just telling you. Okay, now you're, I'm preaching to the choir because you're in the room, but I'm just telling you. And if you're watching online right now in some random city, let us help you find a home church. They're talking, they're shutting me off right now. They're going to watch somebody else. But I'm telling you the truth. You got to have somewhere. You got to have a home. Okay. You got to have a pastor. You got to have people who can go, oh, let's work on this. Let's grow in this. Let's, let's get you serving. Let's get you using your gifts. Okay. Okay. But on the other side though, you can, we have people who all they know is the public gathering. Those people usually have very little Bible knowledge. They're usually very immature and their only connection to God is the church. So when the church disappoints them, they disconnect with God. 
Listen, I am a man of God, but I am a man. And if your only connection to God is the man of God, the man of God will disappoint you and then you'll lose connection with God. I'm not your final authority. All I can do is show you scripture and go, this is what God says. Well, what should I do? I'm not your authority. Like I'm not, I can't at the end of the day go buy that house. Do not buy that house. Don't move there. You cannot date that person. I can't do that. You have to hear the Holy Spirit. You have to know the word. And if you're not careful, you'll only know the public gathering. So your life is limited. Your spiritual life is limited by one hour on Sunday. But David knew that he needed both sides of the key. So just read the Psalms. I love your house, oh God. I love gathering with your people. I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. Better is one day in your court. He, he knew the public gathering, but he also had the private devotion that when he was in a challenge, he knew to be a priest unto God and connect with God. See, he had both. And this, according to Revelation chapter 3, check this out. This is powerful. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, this is the key of David. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who, can, who opens and no one will shut and shuts and no one will open. Listen, if you have closed doors in your life, if spiritually you can't get a breakthrough, you're probably out of balance on one side of the key. We must have the public gathering and the private devotion. And when those two things get together... I'm walking with God Monday through Saturday, but I'm using my gifts and I'm under in, in community and I'm under leadership. Those two things together will release the miraculous in your life. It's what David knew. It's what I know. And it's what you need to know when you can get these two things together. And what happens for a lot of us in the public gathering side is you love Jesus on Sunday you got faith on Sunday. You're believing God on Sunday, but by Tuesday, you're like, what is going on? Because you haven't figured out the private devotion. You must have both. Okay. So I want to talk about this private devotion side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some language today to some things that I've, I've never talked about. I've never given language to that are really, it's really going to help you today. And I want you to open your heart to this because it may sound like stuff you've heard before. But I want to tell you, again, I, I, listen to ser- I literally listen to sermons every day of my life. And there are some things I'm going to tell you today that you've never heard before. I'm just telling you. And it's not because I have some wild revelation. It's I've done this for years, but I've never given language to it. So this could really be important to you. And I think it could be the key to really getting strength in the spirit. Amen. Okay, so you all ready for that? Yeah. Give me an amen. Give me an amen. Okay. So, so David has to go to God. And when you go to God, here's the first step. When you encounter God, when you meet with God, you could call this a quiet time, a devotional time. You could do a soap, a devotional like our youth are doing on Wednesday nights. Whatever you want to do, you could get a U version. Devotion. It doesn't matter. When you go to God, you have to give. God actually said in the book of Leviticus, you never come before me empty-handed. Jamie, are you talking about money? I brought a friend. I'm not talking about money, so relax. (laughs) When I go to God, I go giving. David encouraged himself in the Lord, found strength in the Lord. He put on the priestly garments, which would have been worship and connecting with God. 
And before he asked for anything, he worshiped. And a lot of you go to God, you, you think it's faith, it's not, it's actually fear. You go to God in urgency and with emergencies, but you have no faith. And you go to God with a list, and you go, God, fix all this, but you have no faith. I told you, you never heard this before. And faith is born in the presence of God. I'm going to say something. I don't ask God for anything until there is faith in my spirit to ask. And I don't ask God for anything until I feel his presence. Again, you go to God with your 10 things and there's no answers because you haven't given. You've demanded in fear. So what does this look like? Well, Romans 12 says that I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Notice that, to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. Notice that you have to give and that God has to accept. If those two things haven't happened, there's no power in your prayer. (sighs) You give and then he receives and then you're in the presence of God. Well, isn't God everywhere? He is everywhere. I'm talking about his tangible presence where things begin to happen and things begin to change. Okay, so yes, God is omnipresent. But there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. So, so before I ask, I give. Well, what do I give? Number one, I mean, these aren't points, but let me just give you some. You, you give praise and worship. Yeah. Matthew 6 and 9. Hey, Jesus, how do I pray? Pray like this. Before you ask for anything, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's just a fancy word for holy is your name. I worship your name. I give glory to your name. I honor your name. I give praise to your name. Jesus says, before you, before you ask, give. You don't go into God's presence asking. You go into God's presence giving. This is why it is so important. This is why we ask you to be on time for church. I'm not a stickler. I'm not. Because if you're going to receive the word, you first have to give worship. Is this blessing anybody else? Is this microphone on? Okay, I'm telling you, this is a key. Let me give you another one. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. God says there is a protocol if you're going to come into my courts. There is a way that you come into my presence. There is something I require. I don't require perfection, but I do require praise. So if I'm going to ever receive from God, I first must give. Give God your praise and worship. Number two, give God your yes. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Give God your yes. Don't go to God with just a list. Go to God with a yes. John 3, 30. He must increase. I must decrease. What happens after I hallow the name of the Father? What happens after I worship the name of the Father? The next verse says this, your kingdom come, John 6, 10, 
your will be done. So I worship God and then I surrender to God. This is why one of the ways that the, in the, the Jewish culture prays is they pray on their knees. They pray bow down. Why? Because it is something in the natural that I can do that reminds my heart. I don't, I don't go to God puffed up. I don't go to God chest out. I don't go to God shoulders high. I actually go to God on my knees. It's a, it's a picture of surrender. If you've never prayed on your knees before, if you've never bowed before the Lord, I'd encourage you even this week, get a little time in your office, in your bedroom, wherever. Kneel by your bed. Yes. Kneel by your chair and, and just put yourself in a position of surrender. I'm not being legalistic about it. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to. But I'm saying this might be a very powerful thing for you to just remind yourself, when I, come, when I come to God, I give him my yes. Look at this prayer. This would be a, a really good prayer for you to pray every day. We're going to pray it out loud if you got the guts, okay? Okay? If you mean it, pray it. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, the answer is yes. Whatever you ask. Whatever your word commands, wherever you lead, the answer is yes. My hands are open, and all that I have is yours. I trust you. I love you. I surrender all to you. Wow. Give God your yes. Give God your yes. I don't pray with clenched fists. Paul said, when you pray, Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubt, without wrath, without anger. God, where are you? No. I lift my hands. This is, a, this is something outward that is conveying something inward. A lot of you have never had a breakthrough in personal prayer because you've never given God anything. You go to God with demands, but you've never given him your yes. Give him your cares. We talked about this last week. I won't go into a lot of details, but Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. I give him my fear. I give him my care. God, I'm carrying this. I don't want to care it. I give it over to you. I trust you. I give this to you. How about this? Give God your sin. Just give God your sin. Repent. Talk to the Lord about what you're dealing with. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is, and that word confess means say the same thing. If we'll just get real with God and come into agreement with God. God, you call it a sin, I call it a sin. I agree. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So when you go to God, Confess your sin to him. Lord, I've been dealing with this anger. I've been dealing with this lust. I've been dealing with this pride. I've been dealing with this whatever it may be. And you just, you get honest with it. Listen, you can be free or you can be in denial, but you can't be both. Preach. The, the choice is yours. I can, be, I can be free or I can be in denial. I can't be both. So I give God my sin. I, I, I ask the Lord for forgiveness. I, 
I, I, I tell the Lord, I don't want this in my heart. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want these patterns in my life. And there's freedom in that. Now, for a lot of you, because you've never done this, and if you'll take me seriously this week, you won't even get past point number one. You're just going to give to God, and it's going to be so powerful. And it's going to be so freeing, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so liberating. You're going to feel the presence of God. You're going to worship God. You're going to turn on praise and worship. You're going to sing, and you're going to feel his presence, and you're going to feel his pleasure. It's going to be so powerful. You won't even get past giving, and, and you'll learn to love it. But then number two, here's what this sets you up for. Now you receive. Giving positions me for receiving. Giving creates space for God to fill. See, a lot of you, you go to God with all your stuff, and then you ask for stuff, and he goes, your hands are already full. You come, in, you come into church with all this junk. That's why we want you to engage in worship because we want you to let all that go. Let that fear go. Let that worry go. Let that anxiety go. Let all that go and worship God. Now you are a vessel that he can fill. So now when the word goes out, you can actually receive it. In worship, I give. In prayer, I receive. In worship I give, in prayer I receive. So here's what happens. You give God praise, and now you receive his presence. You give God your yes, and now you receive his direction. You give God your cares, and now you receive his peace. You give God your sin, and now you receive his forgiveness. But I cannot receive until I give. And a lot of us want God to add to our life. But what we must do is empty our life so that God can fill the void. Am I helping anybody so far? This this is is a key now. This is a key. This is a key to your walk with Jesus. And then you learn how to receive from heaven. Okay, Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. All who are weary, all who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What does that mean? I got to give him my yoke. If I'm going to receive his yoke, I got to give him my yoke. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, I give God my yoke and burden and then he gives me his. Prayer is an exchange. I give God what I have to receive what he has. Because what he has is a lot better than what I have. Come on, somebody. So, so I give God what I have. It's not perfect. It's not enough. But I give him what I have. And then I receive what he has. But I have to empty my hands to receive what he has for me. And this can be, listen, Matthew chapter 11 can be and should be the testimony of every person who prays. That should be your testimony. I receive from heaven. I receive from Jesus. It is light. It is easy. I enjoy my walk with God. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy the presence of the Lord. Amen. 
I love the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I love the presence of God. That becomes not I have to, not I need to become a better person. Oh, I get better get my family in church. Oh, I guess I need a tithe. Well, I guess, no, no, no. I love God. It's easy. It's light. It's fun. It's an adventure. Wow. That, that's the joy of this thing. That, that, that's, what, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's why I love pastoring a church, not, not because I want to just teach you principles, but because if you can ever learn to love God, your life will never be the same. First right. John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Watch, watch this, confidence. Look at the confidence you can have when you approach God. If you, if you do what I'm telling you to do, this is the confidence you have, that if we ask anything according to his will, what's his will, the word? How do I know God's will? God's promise. God's promise is God's will. God's word is God's will. So now from an understanding of his promise and will, I can ask. And he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This, uh, another scripture that would go along with this would be Mark 11 when Jesus said, believe that you received it and you will have it. Notice that. Believe you received it, then you will have it. So I believe I receive in prayer, it's done. Then I will have it. I don't have it yet, but I have it. I got it. I just don't got it, but I got it. Because I got it here. And having it here is more important than having it here. So once I have it, that's why whenever, anytime we order anything for Goldie, every day she goes, can we go look for packages? If we order something online, can we go look for packages? Because she already has it. Listen, she's turning five in November. She already, she already has her birthday presents. Here. Because she wrote us a list. She knows what, and, she, and we're going to get it for her. Because she's five. And she wants some LOL some doll, something, playset. She's got it. It's done. More than it being done in us, it's done in her. Because, because she knows that her parents are good. How much better is our father? Come on, somebody. Say amen. Give God some praise. Oh, come on. Anybody know they serve a good God? So I, so I go to God and I give. And then I receive. And then number three, I act on the word. David goes, do I pursue? God said, pursue. And without fail. How can I live a life without fail? It's going to take more than a good church service. It's going to take this. He said, without fail, you will recover all. Does that mean we never have battles? Nope. It just means we always recover. Does it mean we never face challenges? No, but it means we always get the restoration. Does it mean we never go through anything? No, we go through things, but we come out restored. And anything God restores is better and bigger than it was before. He said, if you catch a thief, they have to pay you back. Not what they stole. They have to pay you back sevenfold. He said in Deuteronomy, he said, if, if the enemy comes at you one direction, they're going to have to flee in seven directions. 
That means that anything God restores comes back to you in a greater amount and a greater value than you lost. (sighs) Case in point, David didn't just get his family and possessions back. He got the enemy's possessions back. Y'all think I'm preaching a fairy tale or something. This is not Harry Potter. This is not Star Wars. This is the word of the living God. And what God did for David, he'll do for you. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of recovery. God will give it back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Running all over. Come on, somebody. We believe. I believe this. Okay. So he gets the word from God. He goes out. He recovers. And here's what I want you to see with obedience. His obedience was not just a blessing to him. Though your obedience is a blessing to you. His walk with God and the word from God was not just a blessing to him. Though it will be a blessing to you. It blessed his world. Do you know that your world needs your obedience? God doesn't. God doesn't need anything but your world does. Hey dad, you know your family needs your obedience? Hey, mom, you know that your kids need you to hear from the Holy Ghost? They need you to hear from the Spirit of God. Not just a blog, not just your favorite influencer on Instagram. Your kids need you to hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God because you know what your kid needs. And God's going to tell you what your kid needs. And they're going to tell you how to lead them. They're going to tell, he's going to tell you where to send them to school. He's going to tell you what, what classes to put them in and what sports to put them in, what not to put. The Holy Ghost is going to talk to you. Right. While I was reading this block, no, you need the voice of the Holy Spirit, mama. Dad, you need, you're uh, business owners. You need to hear from God for your business. Well, you know, this guy said this and this. Awesome. You need a word from heaven for your business. You're like, I'm not that spiritual. You can become that spiritual. And frankly, in the times we're in, you need to become that spiritual. This world needs a spiritual church. This world needs a spirit-filled church. This world needs a spirit-led church. And your world needs a spirit-empowered believer that can talk to God, hear from God, give to God, receive from God, act on what God is saying. Our city will only reach and will only, will be limited by our obedience. Our city needs us to hear from heaven. Our city needs us to prosper. Our city needs us to recover. Our city needs us to get a word from heaven. Our city needs us to be spirit-led and spirit-filled. Our our city needs us to walk in the love of God because when David got his word, it blessed his family. And when David got his word, it blessed everyone else's family. And when David got his word, it blessed generations. Are y'all hearing me? This is why it's a big deal. See, I don't take myself seriously, but I take God really seriously, and I take the call of God really seriously, and I take my time with God really seriously because I know that it will directly impact everyone around me. Not just because I'm a pastor. I'm talking to day traders. I'm talking to real estate agents. I'm talking to stay-at-home moms. I'm talking to retired people. It doesn't matter what you do. Work at Starbucks. It don't matter what you do. Our world 
This is how Romans 8 says it. It says the world is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. What if you got a, what if you got a God idea for your business? What if you got a God idea for your family? What if you got a God idea for your marriage? What if you got a God idea for your kids? And you weren't just trying to figure it out. But you got the whisper of heaven. And he said, pursue. Do that, don't do that. Wow. Can I tell you, if you learn this, I would never have to ask you for an offering again, ever. We're going to have to do offering at the end of service. Why? Because you don't hear from heaven, so I got to make sure you hear me. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And I got to tell you the needs, and I got to tell you where we're giving, and I got to tell you how much we really appreciate you and love you. But if you heard from God, you wouldn't need me. You wouldn't need to be reminded it's the first of the month. Oh, it is the first of the month. No. This is where, I'm telling you, this is where the joy is. You're going to recover all. Can I tell you? You're going to recover all. I have a prophetic word for our church because I feel it from the Holy Spirit. The next three months will be marked by the undeniable favor of God, move of God, restoration of God. I'm talking about in your family. I'm talking about in your finances. I'm talking about in your spiritual life. I'm talking about in your walk with God. Without fail, we're going to recover all. Without fail, we're going to see the goodness of the Lord. For anybody this is for, I I dare you to receive it right now. Because we are about to see it with our eyes. We're about to hold it with our hands. We're about to walk in something we've never walked in. Don't you dare limit where you've been. Don't you dare limit God. Don't you dare limit God because it's a pandemic or because of coronavirus or because of the economy or because of what's going on in politics. No, God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all. We could ask or think we're going to see it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to step on it. We're going to hold it. Recover all. Recover all. Anybody with faith, say amen right there. Come on, say amen. Amen. Let me have... Somebody play me out of here. I got to finish. This is why we need a building, by the way, so that we don't have to do a thousand services on Sunday. And then we could just flow right now. Have the worship team come back up. We could start praying for people. We could. It's coming. It's coming. I got. It's already done in here. You think Goldie's excited about our LOL playhouse? I got a building in here. It's right here. It's right here. You want to talk about hearing the Holy Spirit because I got to receive the offering. Um, Someone texted me this week. He goes, hey, I I know miracle offerings in November, but I just already know what we're going to do. I feel like God spoke to us. Can I give now? I said, you never ask a preacher. If you, I said, yes, this is the Lord. You're here from God. And so someone already gave their miracle offering, offering this week because they just said, we can't wait. Joel, Joel Sims, I'll just tell you this. I'm, in, I'm talking about people giving us money when I'm receiving an offering, which is kind of counterintuitive because people are, 
people teach you that if you're going to receive an offering, you have to, you know, sound like you have a need, you know, like you're struggling. Joel Sims, a couple weeks ago, was so moved by what God is doing at City Light. He goes, I want to be a part of the miracle offering. He goes, so I have to wait till November. I said, no. So Joel Sims and Word of Life Church in Mississippi, they sowed $50,000. That's the largest check we've ever received. One-time gift. Jared Neiman was here a couple weeks ago. He goes, I'm so moved by what God's doing. Can I be a part of it? He said, can I give 10,000? I said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. So he gave 10,000. Then this week, I was talking to um, the executive pastor of New Creation Church in Singapore, Joseph Prince, and they're very dear friends of mine. And we were talking about some things that God is doing in our church right now. And he goes, I'm just so excited. Can we sow 25,000? Say, let me pray about it. Yeah, yeah, you can. Let me tell you, that's 85000 all going Hallelujah. towards, why would God provide and then not give us a building? You just, it's done. It's done. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's done. I need somebody to get 15000 a day. Take me to 100000 okay? Let's do it today. Amen. Let me give you a promise. Let me give you a promise. This is a scripture that scares a lot of people, and it shouldn't scare you. Context, Galatians 6, Paul is receiving the offering from the church of Galatia. He's not warning them about sin. He's not telling them, you know, if you have a secret, get ready. You're going to, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. That's not what this scripture is. But people have heard this text, and it frightens them, and it shouldn't. It should build your faith. Paul's receiving an offering and he goes, hey, just, just remember this. Don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever you sow, you go reap. This isn't a warning. This is an encouragement. He, don't be deceived. Oh, I don't, I don't give to get. Don't be deceived. No farmer sows seed into the ground and goes, you know, I don't give to get. I mean, if it works, it works, but... No farmer plants tomatoes and goes, I mean, I'll take mangoes, whatever. <laughs> I don't give to get. Neither do I. But it doesn't change the principle. Okay, when I give, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, pulling a lever. This isn't, this isn't a slot machine. But this is a promise from God. This is from the Bible. And it's about giving. It's not about anything else. Read it in context. Read any. Bible study you want on it, this is about giving. He goes, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. If, if you take care of God's kingdom, you will reap. That's what he's saying. God. What you sow, you'll reap. You'll always reap more than you sow. Always. Because he's a God of restoration. So when I, when I take the deficit of 10% and I tithe it into God's house... I now have a gap of 10%. It's now God's responsibility to fill that, and he will never fill that with 10%. That's my testimony. You can argue with me all day. I have a testimony. You can argue with me all day. I have experienced. This is what God has done. I'm not saying I'm some multimillionaire. I'm saying God has always made sure that I reap more than I sow. 
Hey, but, but here's another thing. What you never sow, you never reap. You, you cannot take a, a bag of tomato seeds today and put them in your closet or put them in your pantry and pray and anoint with oil and speak in tongues and go, I just really hope this works. You got to get it in the dirt. And you got to water it. And you got to expect a harvest. You, you don't just, some of you are like, well, yeah, I'd like for God to bless me. But you got to give. This is a part of it. Jamin, why are you giving us, because a lot of times I get up here and I go, hey, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this. And all that's very important for you to know what we're doing with, you know, how we're ministering to people. But it's also important that you know Bible promises about giving that this is, a, this is scripture. This is real. And you, you can believe God that as you sow financially into his kingdom, God will make sure that you reap. He just will. I didn't come up with that. I didn't make that up. This isn't the prosperity gospel or whatever I get accused of all the time. This isn't giving to get. That's not, this is just the truth. God is a God of seed time and harvest. It's just, it's what he does. Genesis chapter eight. He said, as long as the earth remains, this is how it's going to work. And it'll work for you. So there's a lot of ways to give. Give as as the Holy Spirit leads you, and I pray he does. Um, And expect, expect God's provision. Expect God's blessing. Expect recover all. Expect restoration. Expect God to do a great work in your life. And um, I'm not saying it'll happen overnight, but but it will happen. The, The trajectory of your life will go upward, not downward. Even if it's little by little, but I'm going up, not down, in every area of my life. Amen?